and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We are bringing you a second special bonus episode live from our Boston store at Natick Mall. And we're spending a couple days here and we thought we would uh, meet some locals, some local design talents, and have them on the podcast. So today our guest is architect, photographer, author, Katie Hutchinson. Y'all probably remember because a couple of months ago, in one of our first episodes, I think, Katie's book, The New Small House, was one of my good things, my trials. No, my triumphs. triumphs. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad it wasn't a trial. You are so trial. I always get confused. Anyways, um, and so I think you left maybe a comment on our blog blog post. Yes. And I was like, oh, well... We need to have you anyways, so we connect with that. But I just love that. how small the world is. Like, you're like, I love this book, and you happen to hear the podcast. Well, it's actually the beauty of the internet. Yeah. The so, World Wide Webs. Yeah. When you put your name out there <gasps> as a search, luckily oh, you find things. You search yourself? Yeah. Do you have, yeah. like, a Google um, I have one of those alerts, yes. Gotcha. So you weren't listening to the podcast? I have to come clean. All right, why are you here? No. <laughs> I have to come clean. That's all it's right. the beauty of the internet. Yeah. That is awesome. That's all right. Well, all right, so wait, we have to introduce ourselves. Tara. Oh, yes, okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait, Carolyn, you always start. We'll, we'll go around. Okay. Um, I'm Carolyn McDonald. I run the Ballard Designs blog, howtodecorate.com. And I'm Taryn Schwartz, and I'm in product design at Ballard. And I'm Karen Mooney, and I head up branding for Ballard. So awesome. it's nice to meet you. Nice yes. to meet you guys. Welcome, and you're here in our brand new store in Boston, outside of Boston in Natick. Yes. So you guys, if you hear a lot of noise, it's because we're literally in the store. Yep. People are walking around and shopping. So forgive it. We're in a front window, <coughs> and people are walking by. Yep, there's someone with a stroller right now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people. have you because you know what our biggest like we get people email us questions we love getting them yes. and I feel like maybe one out of every four or something is related to small spaces mm-hmm. and this is my theory. fantastic I think that no matter what square footage you have what size house your house house is everyone thinks that they don't have enough space right don't you feel like everyone is like oh my house is not big enough no I think mine's too big yeah, no, I think some people don't feel that way. I think actually a lot of actually the people who I wrote about in the book, there are 24 That's houses true. featured in the book, many of them really deliberately chose to live in a small house. So mm-hmm. they'd kind of already made the decision, maybe from previous right. houses they've lived in or previous experience, that they were ready to live in a small house mm-hmm. and to kind of edit what they needed to kind of live comfortably and live well. Yeah. So once you've gone down to a smaller house, you're very aware, of course, of how much space you have and right, how to maximize right. it. And every item, I imagine, has to be considered very carefully. Absolutely. So yes. the things that you have out and about tend to have a lot of meaning to you, mm-hmm. or, or they'd be kind of cluttering up your life. So everyone is really good in the book about editing, but not everyone can edit everything all the time. So it's really helpful to have like a garage or a basement or some kind of storage space mm-hmm. so that if you do want to cycle things through, um, you have somewhere to put some things. So in some of these houses, they kind of later figured out, oh, you know what? I need like a shed or I need some kind of something to augment yeah. storage. Uh, like one house, the garage is actually strictly storage. There's no car in it. Gotcha. So yeah. People, you know, make a decision about their how they want to live and how much stuff they need to have around and how much space they need for it. Yeah. Do you find that it's a certain type of personality that is drawn to a small space? 
or a certain age group or demographic? You know what's interesting? The, um, the, the age group featured in the book, the demographics, like kind of couples, singles, families, older, younger, runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of part of the fun. When we chose these houses, to, when I was working with the Taunton Press to figure out what we were going to feature, we didn't know who owned these houses, right? We were choosing them based on their design. And as it just worked out, the, the 24 that we chose, some have couples in them, some are families of four with younger kids or with teenage kids, some of them are retired people, some are kind of just starting, kind of um, starter home kind of situation. So it's really a bunch of different people have decided to make it a priority. Intentionally. Intentionally. So it's all very intentional. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I think it's, it's a kind of a, a hard thing to come to. Yeah. I think that's why it has to be intentional. Right. I don't think... You can't um, accidentally live in yeah, a small house. Yeah, you really have to be <laughs> conscious yeah. of what you're, how you want to live and make the decision to do it. Mm-hmm. And these people in the book don't know each other, right? We just right. selected them from across the country, a couple in Canada. But my feeling, I, I was kind of the common thread because I'm talking to all of them. But I wanted to have, like, at the end, I wish I could host a big party mm-hmm. and have them all come oh, and meet each other idea. because I think they would have hit it off with each other because yeah. I think they did have kind of a common sensibility and they had really made a conscious choice to live small. Give us the backstory. Like, how did you come to this idea of this book? Um, I have been writing for Fine Home Building magazine, which is one of the Taunton Press's magazines on and off for years. I do this drawing board column that they have. And the magazine, Fine Home Building, is linked through the Taunton Press to the publishing branch right. of the organization. And so I had actually met them for a previous book pitch, mm-hmm. um, which kind of happened around the time of the recession in 2008. So mm-hmm. that book never actually made it to the light of day. Yeah. Um, like so many things. <laughs> so <laughs> So I kept in touch with them kind of right. over the years. And I've actually pitched them, I don't know how many, but kind of a number of different topics. Mm-hmm. And this particular one, my initial um, package was about small retreats. And oh, so they yeah, knew I was yeah. interested in small, but we didn't, you know, at the time we were very focused on these things that would be in your backyard or beyond mm-hmm. on a separate property. That's why there are five small retreats in the back of the book, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like my little pet project. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when actually they had been, were talking about they wanted to do a title about small houses because it was kind of coming back into vogue. And so they came to me and said, how oh, about this cool. one? You've pitched all those other ones. Why don't you do this one? So yeah. it was kind of a, a lucky, kind of nice fit. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like we are seeing more of that kind of boomerang effect from <clears throat> the mini mansion, the big mansions. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. yeah. Like you're saying, Caroline, we get a lot of questions about small space, but we get also a ton of questions about, I have this giant open floor plan house, yeah. and I don't know how to fill it up. Right, right. And I think that was for so long what was being built. And yeah, because I think developers, it was kind of this self-feeding thing. Developers felt they needed to make these really big mm-hmm. houses because the market was demanding it, and then the market was like, well, all that's available are these really big houses. So it was this kind of strange cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there was definitely you know, a backlash against McMansions, mini McMansions, whatever yeah. you want to call them, with those huge, I'm just thinking of the one you described that, the gigantic foyer with the, like, right. the endless ceiling yeah. height, and you're kind of at, in your entry, and you've just taken your coat off, and you're... Yeah, underneath this huge thing and the stair is going up yeah so I think uh, I think people became to realize that that wasn't comfortable right you mm-hmm. know and what's, it might what's feel more comfortable grand and impressive but yeah I mean you need to feel comfortable it's your in your home. home right it's yeah. a home not a house yeah. yeah what is your own home like what's so it's actually in, it's in the um, introduction oh, wait let me look it's not one of the like oh, featured houses but it's in the introduction it's a small house 
So I'm definitely kind of practicing what I preach. So it's... Uh, <laughs> How long have you lived in a small house? Um, we've only lived there four years. But before that, we were in like a condo, which was also small, actually kind right. of an equivalent mm-hmm. size. Um, mm-hmm. This one's 1,550 square feet. You know, I think our condo was like 1,500 square feet. So we, <laughs> we gained 50. Yeah. Um, but this being a small house, it's all on one floor. Mm-hmm. And many of the houses in the book are single story. There are some that are two story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the advantage of the single story, obviously, is kind of thinking of aging in place. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I have older parents, and I wanted them to be able to come in and out of the house and circulate through it. So we were kind of deliberately looking for a small house that was all on one yeah. floor. And well, the reason that I picked up your book is because my house is a 1,000 square feet. I've mentioned this so many times on the podcast. But we, I have this fantasy of building a second story. Mm-hmm. Because right now it's a 2-1, but eventually we want to have kids. And so I've always thought, like, how can we make our current house maybe work in a more... Anyway, so I just loved... I love the design principles you sort of present in the book about ways to... Like, one of the, my favorite one was, like, the little um, private spaces. Yes. You know, building in Pockets a for seat. privacy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have my little cheat sheet. So I oh. did make a little... Um, they're in the book, if you guys... I, don't know if I was going to bring those up. Okay. That's so my these favorite little, part. Oh, good. Is the keys. Yes. Yeah, the, I was going to tell people they needed to look because yeah. that was so interesting. Oh, Did great. you come up with those? Yes. Yeah, so this kind of was... Taunton Press, I don't know if you're familiar with the publisher in general, that they like their books to be very informative. So mm-hmm. kind of not just kind of coffee table mm-hmm. fodder, but not something... Fluffy. Yeah, something you actually take something away from and mm-hmm. can kind of learn from. So th- we call these the icons. Mm-hmm. And when we came up with the 10 strategies... We wanted a way to visually remind a reader, you know, of the strategies and where they're being applied in the photos. So Mm -hmm. you see these really in the captions, Mm -hmm. and they pop up when, you know, whatever strategy in particular is being demonstrated in the photo. And then the lead into each house includes all the icons that are represented in that house. And most of them hit on almost all of them. Some of them hit on all of them. Um, and so they were such a common thread throughout all the houses, mm-hmm. which seemed like a useful tool to add to the captions. Mm-hmm. I actually even wanted them in the text, and the publisher was like, okay, <laughs> tone it down with the icons. But they're not going to be in the text. Because I think it would have looked busy, it would have been yeah. kind of hard to read. Yeah. So we, we settled on putting them in the captions. Yeah. Um, but the one you're talking about, um, Shape Pockets for Privacy, mm-hmm. um, that is a that is a kind of a vital one, I think, to people who have like one room common living spaces to yeah. have things off the sides, little nooks, window seats, or what have you. You can tuck so you yourself. You can kind of get removed. You'll mm-hmm. still be part of the action if you want. Like you're not in a room with a door. You're kind of you can sound wise. You're connected, visually right. connected, but you're just like a little bit removed. So you can read a book or you know do something different if right. you're in a group. Yeah, yeah. It sort of like indicates like quiet time, like. If you're sitting in that little space, it indicates like... But your do hey, not disturb yeah. sign is up. Well, it's funny. I was reading <laughs> the book over Thanksgiving and my um, husband's, the, the, his family house where we were staying, um, there were probably 12 people staying in the house and it's a mountain house. So it's not meant to, it has enough bedrooms for everybody, but there's only one room on the main level. Mm. And so it's a kitchen, a small dining room and a living room. And so I was reading in the in the living room, but they have this. They have a little pocket. It's like a little um, bench that's sort of like tucked away. And I was sitting there reading the book, how noticing how people were sort of breaking. Like this whole group of family, this family of twelve, was sort of breaking up into little 
you know, where someone would walk away and like read at the table or whatever. And mm-hmm. you could see that like that, that really is how people live. Mm-hmm. Right. Creating their right. own yeah. spaces. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting to see that. While well, that's fun that you were in it. one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> while you were in the pocket. Well, and it's a pretty big house, but just with 12 people. Yeah. Right. It's, right. It was living sort of in the same way. So. My, um, my, this is Taryn. My um, parents have a small cottage in Maine. And oh, wonderful. Of course, ha- so many of these are, I'm like, yeah. totally drawn to me because it's on um, Mount Desert Island. Oh, beautiful. So. One of them is on Mount Desert. Yes. Yeah. I actually, um, so it wasn't ours, but um, <laughs> she'll forgive you. No, it's, it's um, three stories, but again, my parents had to be, it was on a small footprint. Yep. And um, they had five daughters, and that have all grown since so yeah. we have lots of people in this house and they did you know they do have a, like a little loft up in their room that's yep. like a little nook and then on the back porch we have it it kind of curves around so you can like there's a little secret hammock and like nice. so if you go back there you can like have a moment with 22 of us all running around <laughs> right. you can usually the little kids can't find you if you can like find <laughs> these little bitty corners or like tuck back in the back room so anyway this Totally reading your book made me think. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like so many people want that little... Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's actually, in the book, there are a number of houses in Maine. There might be five. There were a lot. There's well, several. Yeah. And even like the one on Peaks again. Like, yeah. Peaks Island. Yeah. Yeah, that's my... It was interesting because the book, there the is people. a lot of kind of East Coast, West Coast, some stuff in the middle, mm-hmm. and some in Canada. But because I'm from New England, I think... That's part of the reason it's a little New England heavy, because yeah. um, that's my aesthetic and that's what I'm from, and I, you know, I love the houses in Maine, um, they, and they're very different actually. The ones that are that are featured in here that are in Maine, they have different, really different personalities. The houses, but Maine has a lot going on, so yeah. a lot of variety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. there was yeah. a lot. Of no, there variety. is a lot. Um, sorry, there was a lot of variety in the styles of the houses yes. in this book. There were some that were super modern, where you almost see it and you're like, oh gosh, like. That's so cool, but it's so, like, out there. I'm thinking specifically of the one that was, like, in the desert, sort of, in, like, California. Oh, the glass house? Yeah, the glass. It's It was, like, glass. It looked like it was going to, like, a spaceship. <laughs> like, it had those wings, sort of, that yes. were, like, metal. Yeah, yeah. It looked like it was going to take off. That um, is in California, and that is, a, actually, the, what's interesting about that. We, we deliberately, I'm glad you feel that there was a bunch of different styles, because we did deliberately... Yeah. I wanted a stylistic range, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be like this book is only for people who Cottages. like... Cottages. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so the glass house... But we did look for common design success mm-hmm. in all of these projects. And the glass house was a really neat example of something that none of the other houses had, which is a kit house. So that yeah, particular yeah. one is actually delivered, um, flat-packed to the site. Yeah, I think you're... Is it, yeah, is that's it. it that page... Right there. Oh, the prefab one? Yeah. 68? Yeah. yeah. Page 68. 88. 80, I'm so blind. It's, a, it's, a, it's several pages, so you'll overlap with it. Um, so that was actually delivered flat-packed to the site and then constructed cool. there. So cool. And it's a very unusual way to do a, a glass house, or really any house, because it makes glass houses people tend to think are very high-end. That's kind of mm-hmm. only for... The, the very elite the hanging right. off a cliff in Malibu. Yes, and like and yeah. and this is mm-hmm. actually I don't want to you know I don't know what's affordable. That's all relative, but it's accessible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so this lighting designer was really attracted to the idea of being in this glass house in in the desert, if you will, or, or maybe up it wasn't the hills. desert, but it looked well. It, it looks very brown. Sort of, yeah. It looks very brown in the shots. Um, so and he's you know it's very private. So obviously yeah. you need kind of a private environment right. if you're in going order to have. 
Yeah, so that's obviously in the country part of the book. That's the other thing I haven't mentioned is the book is organized by location. Mm -hmm. So it starts with houses that are by the water and then in the country and then in the village and then in town. Mm -hmm. And it was important to us to get, you know, so that someone who lives in a city could still relate to the book and someone who lives, you know, out in the water could also. Yeah. And you took a lot of the photographs yourself, right? I did not. I thought you did. I took Caroline, some you're a of liar. them. I took I some said of them. I was a photographer. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I'm actually a fine art photographer, but I did take there's photos of one of my projects in here. I did take those photos. But we it was really important to us actually to get some very experienced architectural photographers, you know, hooked up with the book. Um, so we used one photographer the east for the east coast and one for the west, and then a lot of freelance photographers for Canada and for kind of the middle of the country. How long did it take you to do this um, I think the actual, like, my part, like the initial writing, editing kind of review was probably eight months. That seems um, kind of fast. I don't know. I know. I don't know how long it would I, take know, to do a book, but that seems like quick. I, yeah. I, I think, you know, what the way they did it, again, Taunton was kind of the lead on this. Mm-hmm. So right. they picked a date they wanted it out, right? Like yeah, we, and so they were like, we want it out in the fall. And you know, which leads into Christmas, right? And then you just work backwards. So right. how long does it take each part to come together? Did you have any trouble getting the homeowners on board? Were you, like, knocking on doors? How did that work? Well, so we picked them all, um, you know, by looking at online, mm-hmm. at, at images. Um, so we did put out a call for submissions. And so generally the people who were submitting the works were usually designers or architects. I noticed that, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's kind of, that is kind of a easier way if you will to find these houses because there aren't a lot of homeowners who are out kind of like promoting their house you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah so we found some that way so they came in through these various calls for submissions and my editor and I kind of started calling through them and then we realized since we wanted to cover the whole country and stylistically Mm -hmm. we wanted to range where we had holes we're like okay we don't have very many houses in this category Mm -hmm. how are we going to find those Mm -hmm. so because I'm an architect and I've been you know, working for Fine Home Building Magazine and reading all these uh, trade magazines over the years, I'm fairly well versed in a number of architects across the country. So I started going to the ones whose work I really prefer and browsing their websites to see if they had anything on their websites that were clearly small. But usually there's a lag. You know, I know it's true in my case. And your website's always behind. You got to get it photographed. Staged. Yeah. yeah. So then I would contact. So I was contacting some people and just saying, hey, I see this one thing. Do you have anything else? Right. And you couldn't always tell what size things were either. Right. It's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. So then once we had finally made our list, you know, the, the concept when they were submitted by architects or designers was that they'd already discussed with their homeowner. Yeah. Uh, hey, okay. by the way, I'm going to be pitching this around. They don't say they didn't know it would be to us, but, you know. So the homeowners, you know, I think I think we only had one instance where a homeowner got nervous about the photography because they weren't sure what to expect, and we do yeah. stage the shots to some degree. Not sure. a lot. Yeah. It's not like, you know, we want it to reflect the person who lives in the house, but there is some staging. Right. So there was one homeowner who was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm so wild about that. Um so we decided, you know, we'd rather have a house in the book where they were really excited right. about being in it. So I think there was one instance where we found, you know, a substitution. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, the homeowners were proud, you know, yeah. and they've done a lot of work and they've learned a lot in the process and they kind of wanted to share, you know, their whole process. Yeah. Yeah. So they were excited. It seems like a lot of the houses, there were pretty extensive renovations. Um, but I was wondering if for someone that maybe doesn't have the opportunity to renovate right now or 
maybe that's on the horizon, but they, they haven't yet. What is What are some ways that people can get more out of their existing footprint, not necessarily by moving walls or anything, but just by, like, changing the way they're living or decorating? Well, there's probably whatever. a lot a lot of things you can do. And, and obviously, you're right. Some, a lot of the houses in the project, like one renovation where we totally switched what was private, we... The, the architects, which what right. was private and what was public, so that was a very dramatic renovation. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there are small things you can do that have to just do with circulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be like you know, there's a door that's either in the wrong place, in that you're circulating somewhere where you would prefer someone not circulate, or it's it doesn't exist where you need it. So right. it can be as simple as this space would be more functional if this door wasn't here, where else can we put this door? So that does involve a little intervention, um, mm-hmm. moving a door. But really basic things like reduce your clutter. I know that sounds like incredibly obvious, but for some people, it's really hard. Yeah. And if your small space is over cramped with stuff, it's going to feel even smaller. Mm-hmm. One of the things you can also do with like window treatments. I'm not a big window treatment person because as an architect, I like to see the molding right. and the window and the view. Um, but there are things, like for instance, and actually one of the um, houses in here did that. He just used, um, I think they're just probably Roman shades, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and they seemed somewhat translucent, so they weren't like opaque. I think he just wanted like filtered light. But instead of like just kind of putting them right over the head of the trim of the window, they're actually mounted just below the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So suddenly the window, first of all, has a bigger presence because this thing that's kind of part of it is like going right. up to the ceiling. And it, you, it fools you into thinking the window's yeah, that tall. Yeah, you kind of think the window's that tall. And it up. also means that the, you know, with hopper, I mean, sorry, with, um, this is where I was looking for those accordion shades that come oh, down, right? right? Mm-hmm. Those um, take up some space at the top. Right, and so this way, if that's all above the glass, you've got your clear view. Yeah, you can even see you if you have moldings, you can see them. In this instance, he actually very pristine. He didn't have moldings, but it just made the window seem bigger. Um, and also, making spaces with um, area rugs sometimes can help make it look like, like for instance, if you have a big open space and it's accommodating dining and kitchen and maybe like a little bit of living. If that has one big rug or carpet and meshing the whole thing, it kind of reads as one space. Yeah. Whereas if you kind of make little nests of smaller rugs for the dining space or for the sitting space, it suddenly... Breaks up your eye. It it differentiates it a little bit, and it feels less like just a single thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are probably some subtle moves you could make. Mm -hmm. You were saying earlier before we started recording that... (laughs) Small spaces doesn't mean tiny spaces. Right. What do yes. you mean? Yes. Thank you for bringing that mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah, I have the, a good memory. Yeah, the tiny <laughs> house movement is pretty huge right now. Um, you know, they've got their own, like, TV show. Yeah, like yeah. a container. People are living yes. out of a container. Yes, yes. Like, wow. Right. So from our point of view for doing the book, it seemed fairly extreme. Tiny houses tend to be 500 square feet or less. You know, often they're around 300 square feet. Right. Um, and for this book, we really wanted to target something a little more accessible um, mm-hmm. that people might be able to wrap their head around because the average house size, which had been going down briefly during the recession, is going up again. But it's around 2,400 or 2,500 square feet. And we were thinking, you know, if you lived in a 2,400 square foot house, it might be easier to imagine downsizing to 1,600 square feet mm-hmm. than to try to even wrap your head around 300 or 400. Uh-huh. So we just wanted it to be easier to relate to, more accessible, maybe right. a little less extreme than tiny houses. 
Yeah. Um, and they are they are very different, tiny houses yeah. and small houses. Do you feel like that's just a little fad that'll sort of be cool right now, a tiny well, house? I think it's interesting. It, it's a fad that's kind of had some legs. I mean, it's it's lasted a while. Yeah. I think it's tapping into the idea of fun. And I think a lot of people would like a tiny house if it was their retreat. You know, mm-hmm. like it's right. in your yeah, backyard. Like house. Yeah, like it's an <laughs> accessory as opposed to... Your, your primary residence. So I think that part of it is always going to be appealing. And I think maybe that's part of the right people are fascinated by it. It's a little bit like having a boat, you know, kind of this small space mm-hmm. that's, it's different. You live differently in a boat than you do in a tiny house. And it's kind of associated right. with fun. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that might be part of it. I don't know how many people are really full on living all the time uh-huh. in a tiny house. In 300 square feet. Yeah. That's, Oof. I mean, that you have, like, you have to commit... I feel like even to like the families that are of four that were in like seventeen, that has to be yes. a conscious choice yes. for most of these people. But to <laughs> to be in a tiny house, like there's no room for my shoes. Right, mm. <laughs> everything's in the cloud when yeah. you live in that small <laughs> house. Everything you're like, I live in the, the cloud. Milk is in the cloud. <laughs> Where's the milk in the cloud? Yeah. It's in the cloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So are there certain? I'm speaking to the smaller spaces. We recommend things all the time, like this shoe storage bench because it's you know you You place for your shoes you can sit on it or our um sofa that becomes a bed so here you go you can have your little settee that then is comes down and now you can have people say then is there any certain pieces you saw across like dual purposey things like furnishings that are dual purpose Um, or if they had built things in, even right. Yeah, yeah just well, w- built-ins are huge. Yeah. You know, in terms of furnishings that are multi-purpose, there was there was one that had like a Murphy bed in it, and it was one mm-hmm. of the reasons we wanted to feature it. We're like, oh, awesome, Murphy bed. You know, we haven't you know we haven't checked that off. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> there, you know, that's kind of an obvious one, yeah. which which is great. It doesn't happen to be one of those in the book, um, but there's a lot of built-ins, so that's mm-hmm. kind of the go-to solution. And for instance, there's a lot of banquettes. Mm-hmm. Um, built-in seating in a dining situation so that, you know, when you have chairs all around a table, they take up a lot more space than if at least one side is, is built in. And then some people prefer sitting in a chair to a bench right. so they could choose the chair spot mm-hmm. and the other people could choose the bench spot. And when you're not eating, you can push the table closer into the bench. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So just mm-hmm. And then there is one... Um, the house in Maine in uh, Rockport Village has a built-in upholstered bench that has storage in it. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a concept. And a lot of them either have flip-top storage or drawer storage. Right. There's under-the-stairs storage. Um, these pro- pockets for privacy we're talking about mm-hmm. are like window seats, often have storage built into them. There's one that's in the master bedroom of the, of the house in, um, in Corte Madera in California that, you know, was for clothing storage. You know, right. So they find different uses to do... And that's very much built in. And in fact, furnishings in these houses, in many cases, some of them, it's it's pretty sparse because so yeah. much of it is built in. Mm-hmm. There's a stair in the project that's called Easty Versatility. That's in East Boston. And that stair, actually, the, uh, the arm of it comes from the height of the second mm-hmm. tread. So it's built into this couch. Um, and that runs the whole length of the stair, and the way the stair um, treads step back gives you kind of an incline to lean against. Yeah. So in that room, and then there's built-ins on the opposite wall. So, you know, that's kind of a very effective way to take advantage of, again, that was a row house, so there were these little ins and outs in the party walls, so it was an opportunity mm-hmm. to just stick some storage, and right. then on the, on the face that you experience, have it be flush and clean, and you don't feel all the the depth of the ins and outs. 
Did you? Okay, so you're an architect. I'm yes. Assuming you did your own home. I we bought our house, renovated. All right. I have really? not done my own home. Well, I was going to ask if there was anything I'm a that you, yeah, <laughs> anything that you learned that you had to retrofit into your home that you were like, this is the best idea ever, and you went home and got out your hammer and did it. Well, you know, the the thing that my home doesn't yet have is really the outdoor space that I would like it to have, and a That's number a side patio. There's a little something, but it's a little stripped down, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little minimal. Yeah. And what I like about, for instance, I think that one of the houses you liked was the one in California, in Sonoma, Mm -hmm. that has these series of outdoor rooms that you travel through before. In that case, the house is in the back of the lot. But making these kind of rectangular rooms that have edges and definition... Even the project that's in um, Texas that also has kind of an interesting use of the yard creating these rooms. One is inhabited by bamboo in that case. Um, My property is has kind of one of the don'ts that I that I tell people when they're designing a home is the house is kind of in the middle and so it's mine happens to be a corner lot. So there's this open corner that it's hard to take advantage of. Yeah. So one of the things that I highly recommend when people are building new is that you take advantage of the edges and and don't and try to create these outdoor rooms and don't plop your house in the middle. So I would like kind of in my property, which is kind of plopped the way that it is, um, I would like to shape some outdoor rooms with that corner. So mm-hmm. make some more privacy because it's very much like we have a stop sign on the corner. It's like yeah, you know. So <laughs> what are you gonna do? Right, yeah. lemonade stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, yeah, mm-hmm. they always thinking. <laughs> But the, the one in Sonoma in particular, they did a really nice job of having a variety of spaces you walk through. In that case, they have a lap pool, yeah. and then there's like a path adjacent to it, but then off to the side are all these raised beds, and there's a chicken coop. You could definitely use outbuildings to your advantage, mm-hmm. you know, so if you don't have a little shed or a chicken coop or something, even locating that can help to define your outdoor room, and mm-hmm. now you can use fencing or hedges or... You know, yeah. raised bed planters. The one in East Versatility, that one I was mentioning in East Boston, that has an outdoor shed that the homeowner who's an architect uses as the office in the summer. Mm. Oh, and they, cool. that one, he's really, he and his wife made these, again, they happen to be raised bed vegetable paths. They kind of um, go along the path adjacent to his studio. So it's all engaged, active space, mm-hmm. um, which my house doesn't have. Currently, yeah. Are yeah. you are you good outdoors? Are you a gardener? I'm. I call myself the idiot gardener, which means <laughs> not so much. Um, but I'm always learning. I do garden. I've done some hilariously ridiculous things, like transplanted weeds that I didn't understand were weeds. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Like, uh, I need to nurture these. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was a harsh lesson because it's actually the weed that I'm allergic to. Oh God. It was ragweed. Oh no. So were you like breaking out in hives? Well, so what happened was I thought the ragweed, when it was first coming out of the ground, looked maybe like delphinium. Oh. It was very optimistic. Uh-huh. And, I, and I found a little piece of plastic in the garden that was one of those tags oh. for the You're previous like, owner it. had used delphinium somewhere. And I was like, oh, this, oh, this must be the delphinium. Mm-hmm. But it was coming up very rapidly and very haphazardly. And I'm a very organized person. Ooh. And I did not care for this haphazard. Oh, gosh. So I transplanted it all into rows, and I was thrilled. And I was thrilled when it took off. I was like, "Oh, aren't I talented?" Yes. I'm so good. Well, at it this. was a weed. Because there was a weed. Oh my god! I had two rows of weeds, wow. and then it wasn't until I went into town and I parked in a town lot that had some cracks in the pavement 
when I recognized. You're like, oh, yeah, those delphiniums. My delphinium was in the crack. I was like, I don't think so. I'm thinking that's a weed. Oh, no. Took a picture of it. Because I had been asking people. I was like, what is this? I'd been sending around pictures. Like, is this anything? And my very experienced gardener friends were very patient with me. And they were like, a weed is in the eye of the beholder. Oh, that's oh, they were kind. being nice. They were being really kind. Wow, they were. Bless being your heart. Nice. I know. <laughs> so then I did lots of sneezing, mainly for me, the allergies oh, and hives. No. It's just yeah. sneezing and like watery eyes and you know, <laughs> yeah, general discomfort. But you definitely have that um, that eye architecturally for outdoor spaces. I definitely do. Yeah. I just the gardening it's is the lagging behind. Of it. Yes, the gardening <laughs> skills. You would think I go on garden tours every year. You know. And I think they're, you know, but, but I am kind of looking at the structure of the gardens, I right. have to say. So my yeah. actual plant knowledge could use some work. Yeah. <laughs> Is your husband any good at it? Not his thing. So yeah. he was happy to see me arrange the weeds. He's yeah, like, he's whatever like, makes job, you happy. Honey. Yeah, those are going fast. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. Good job. Yeah. yeah. Should I fertilize? Yeah, exactly. Mm, they need it. Well, nobody in my house. It took me quite outside. a while to eradicate it once I realized what I had done because they had gone, you know, they had gotten oh, yeah. full grown, yes. sent off oh, their God. seeds. Yeah. Oh, I'm hoping this year there'll be no gone. sign of them. Do you, oh, ha- do you have actual delphinium now? I do not have real delphinium. <laughs> I do not. Just that imposter. No, no. I feel like when your friend should have at least yeah. gifted you one. Right? Yeah. A, yeah. We, totally. It's like, now you can see what they really are. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. called Google. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, okay, wait. What? Karen, you have that app that you take a picture of the wine label and it tells you what, yes. the, what the wine is. Yes. We should, someone needs to do that for plants. I think well, there they is should do it for, for weeds. Leaves. There is one for leaves. And, yes. I, and I actually made in a fail attempt with the leaf uh, one because it has to be flat and honest I mean you yeah. have to like do it just a certain mm-hmm. way so I was just snapping shots it's not as easy as the wine no. app <laughs> no there should be a weed app though because yeah. I need it yeah yeah. Uh, just plant because well, you never know maybe it's not a weed you're maybe right. it was you're right. well, it's and tricky you when you're moving it. into like a yeah, because someone like else had started the garden. Everything that we plant yeah, ourselves, exactly, I know yeah. what the leaf looks like. So if it's not that leaf, I pull it up. Mm-hmm. But if you're moving into a new house right. and the previous owner's no planted stuff, you have no idea what's Especially there. Especially if you move in the middle of winter. Also, can I just say that people do some real dumb stuff in their yard? Like, well, that's because they like plant what? it out. We have like daffodils in our yard, and they're so lovely. But they, it's like someone had a handful, closed their eyes, spun around three times, and, and then just, just threw them. Yeah. Like, they're not in any sensical see, places. See, you would organize. Well, but couldn't it be, like, the seeds spread in the wind? I know nothing about it. We're getting knocked on the yeah, window. Yeah, but daffodils yeah. are bulbs. Yeah, Those but, aren't, right. like, no. They right. only come up specifically <laughs> no, where right. you plant them. Right. Anyway, yeah. I just mean that people are dumb, and they sometimes do weird things when it comes to I'm probably to one of them. I am, too. I'm so bad in the yard. Karen. <laughs> I am. Well, okay. All I'm really mean is, like, Carolyn, putting you're things judger. in intentional places. Like... There were just so many. Maybe odd they thought, "Oh, them. I have eight bulbs. I'm going to spread the color around." Now wait, maybe so. maybe it is different. Like when we moved into our home, I thought there were some random daffodils too, and I was like, "What is going on?" When spring came, right, and I was like, "What is going on?" And then last year I was doing yard work back there, and it's kind of pine straw, and I found a whole brick border. There was a border. Oh, there was a garden, yeah. and it had just like come way out. Evidence and I thought it was all yeah, and I was like. Oh. And then I got back in there, and we... Did you yeah. plant stuff? Is it pretty now? Well, 
Pretties. I mean, Caroline Relative. probably. Yeah, Caroline would oh, probably judge my. I'm not beholder. judgy because my yard looks terrible in certain. Like my backyard looks awful, so I'm I'm not judging. I'm just saying sometimes you're like, what? Where are they thinking? The guy we bought our house from. We're a little off track. Sorry. No sorry. worries. We do this. Um, <laughs> the guy we bought our house from apparently owned a nursery. So there's like every kind of thing you can possibly think of in our yard, including mm-hmm. palm trees. We live in Atlanta. Whoa. I have these palm trees in the back of my yard, which actually seem to do just fine. But random things will like He just wanted one of everything. In a border. I mean, like, yeah. But mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. I mean, I live there <laughs> 10 years now, so it's not much of a surprise. Do you have a favorite style of architecture? Ooh. Seeing as you're... No. No. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Style is a tricky thing yeah. in architecture. And... For me, I really try not to reproduce any specific style. Yeah. And it's because those styles that we're familiar with are all from specific time periods. Yeah. They were developed in response to certain events or climate. And to me, I believe in authenticity. So I don't have a, like a favorite style in terms of yeah. someone building new. But if you were looking at historic architecture, yeah. which was from the time period and mm-hmm. so forth... Um, I definitely, being from New England, just have kind of a natural taste for that kind of colonial um, architecture. You know, I lived in Salem, Mass. I've lived in Marblehead. There's these great New England historic towns, and they're full of uh, authentic, original colonial architecture. But I'm not a big fan of, like, trying to recreate it anew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're never like, oh, I'm going to build a Cape Cod no. Cottage this time. Won't do it. It's just too formulaic. Yeah. Um, and to me, I think, you know, most homeowners want something. They might have a, a reason they like a style. So if they right. say that they like a certain style, I'll try to kind of dig down and, like, what's that coming from? Is that because you like the open plan? Is it because you like a really overhanging, sheltering roof? Mm-hmm. Is it because you like um, kind of a formal, symmetrical plan? So just kind of get at what is it about the style that they do like? And then kind of bring that into the project, um, kind of at the kernel instead of at the stylistic level. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. That makes that's sense. That's an interesting thing to think about, too, because I think um, for someone that's not an architect or in that field, you don't necessarily pick up, you just pick up on what you're seeing, you know what I mean? And so much of architecture is about, like, the way you feel in the space and, Absolutely. I feel like that's how you can sort of see if something's been designed by an architect because it definitely has a certain scale and, you know, flow and, I don't know, those things are important and a lot of times they're not. No, you're right. You they're not. Yeah, no, that's a good point. The architecture, I mean, kind of the challenge is to create the experience of the architecture. And when we're taking pictures and putting them in books and magazines... It's kind of hard to communicate. What is the experience of this space? Mm-hmm. Um, so people, I think what happens is you get triggered by a photo because you've been in a space maybe like it in some way. And so if you see kind of an open plan going out to your view, you may have been in something that was open, and you might think, oh, that felt great, you know. So I think you lend your feeling to the image maybe more than, than the image is directly communicating to you. Because yeah. that, that's the big trick is... You know how to how to give someone the experience that they're looking for if it's a client who's come to an architect, and if you want to have a positive experience in a small house, I mean that's kind of why we came up with this stuff with these icons, these strategies, is that they're not so much about what it looks like, but how you experience and what right. it feels like, uh, which is why the houses can look so different mm-hmm. in the book. 
but um, still have all the same principles. Right, exactly. What do you think are common mistakes that people make when they're either building or renovating? And I would, I would, I guess I'd put the caveat when they feel like they don't need an architect. They know what they want to do, blah, 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 right, blah. Right, right. they just hire an architect to kind of draw their yes. idea. What yeah. kind of mistakes do you feel like are very common? I think scale mistakes, which is kind of the one you brought up about the McMansions when you come into the huge foyer. I think people mistakenly believe they need more. Mm-hmm. And, and like I often have people who will bring me over for, you know, a potential client interview and they'll say, I need a kitchen addition. And I'll go in and I'll look at their kitchen and it has like a big like breakfast area in it with a table in it. And it's, you know, it could be reworked like in terms of the workspace, but it's not like insufficiently sized. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes I'll say, well, you know, maybe if you put like a window bay so that you could have a table in here and have a little more circulation space and like rework the flow of the kitchen. I don't really, I often end up talking people out of addition sometimes because it's like, <laughs> You know, I don't know that that's what you need. And then I'll walk through the house and I'll be like, you know what you need. And so <laughs> let me help. Let me, let me come up with it. <laughs> let me redirect your yeah. resources. So sometimes it's, it can yeah. be just a matter of changing what you have where. And, and the Texas house that you mentioned that's in here, that's what they did when they went in to go buy this house. In, I think it's in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm-hmm. The bedrooms were kind of counterintuitively located towards the yard. And the public space was, like, smooshed up against the north side of the house, against the fence for the other property line. And so it wasn't connected. The house was not connected to the yard. And the bedrooms, which are normally kind of internal, were, like, where you want to be in a public space. Like, it was just backwards. So, they, so you're saying that, like, the bedroom was, like, on the street and they didn't feel like they yeah, were private enough? Yeah. And okay, so it was just, like, it. why would you... So the the architect was, who was buying this house with his wife, they're like, we're going to just switch private public. So they moved the bedrooms to the north, and then let's put the public space. So they actually didn't change the footprint of the house. They had to do some serious interior, because like, mm-hmm. they moved the kitchen. You know, They had to do some definitely some gutting. Mm-hmm. But, but the footprint, But the yeah. footprint was the same. Um, I don't know if any of the actual room footprints um, internally were the same. Probably not. But it had a jagged edge. It wasn't like a rectangle. You know, it had several jagged edges. Mm -hmm. So they just changed the public stuff, put it on the stuff that bordered the yard into the jagged edge, which faced south, and put the bedroom on the north. So sometimes it's just things are in the wrong place. Right. I had that in my house when we renovated our master bedroom and bath. The bathroom faced the backyard and it had all these windows and French doors and stuff. This giant window right on my neighbor's. Like, she she saw more of me than she ever wanted to see (laughs) because after a couple of years, I gave up. I'm like, I can't every day, like, every moment cover up myself when I'm out of the shower. So, and then the bedroom was tucked Inside, so it felt really dark. The bathroom was overly lit and yes. over windowed, yep. and we ended up switching it all. Oh, there and you it go. Worked out perfectly. Yeah. yeah. So we put, you know, we put a transom window in the bathroom just to have a little bit of light, so it yep. didn't feel too cave-like. Um, but now, like the bedroom looks back over the backyard, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like whatever. Wow, right. Brilliant. Okay, so we're going to answer some decorating dilemmas that y'all have sent in to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. So if you want us or any of our very talented guests to answer your question, you should email it to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Taryn, take it away. All right, so Cindy wrote, 
I'm in the process of renovating our kitchen, and I think I have a transitional style. We're going for a more classic look versus a trendy look, as I want it to last for a good 10 years. Using white cabinets on the perimeter and debating about having the new island, a stained brown nutmeg wood color, or a dark brown with a gray glaze. Do you think that... If we go with the brown with gray glaze, it will be out of style in a couple of years. I know you had one guest on or read something that said that gray is out now. <laughs> um, oh, Cindy. <laughs> My whole house has to be thrown in the trash if gray is out now. <laughs> okay, and then she also writes, also, I'm considering Maybe putting... Maybe we should just do that one. And then okay. go to and the, sure. the next question. So, wait, like so wait, questions. the question, she's just asking about the island finish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it's, it's And what are the two style. choices? Um, either just sort of a brown, with a gray brown like a mm-hmm. stain wood traditional stain brown island right or the stain with a gray glaze gotcha. over it so she's worried that the gray is too trendy yes, yes. yeah so I, I i wouldn't worry about that at all mm-hmm. i mean you go with what you like mm-hmm. and you go with what you're drawn to and yeah. the beautiful thing about if it were me i'd do the gray I would I, too. Yeah, I mean, oh, again, it's all personal. Everyone's got mm-hmm. their own thing. But the, the gray works very well with a lot of other finishes. So I'm thinking of tiles and backsplashes. If you have a lot of stainless steel in your kitchen, there tends to be a lot mm-hmm. of kind of metallic finishes in kitchens. So for me, the gray seems like kind of a quiet way to have the island be part of the overall picture. Mm-hmm. And I think the glaze is going to add some depth to that brown yep. that just a plain brown stain might just feel a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I wouldn't worry about whether it's, you know, trendy. It's not you know, a worry. huge application, so it, it's not like I don't think you would ne- necessarily right. notice. Yep. Well, that is actually other. one you of the advantages mean? of doing it to just the island, because she said she had mm-hmm. white counters everywhere, mm-hmm. cabinets everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's already kind of made the, the smart decision to kind of do it in an accent piece, right. which I yeah. think makes sense. Smart, Cindy. Also, yeah. if, like, you really do think that in 10 years you're going to hate it, just pull out a can of paint and all you have to do is paint your island and that's like not a lot done you know what i mean mm-hmm. so go totally. with what you really like and then five years from now you could just repaint the island yeah. and there's not a lot of love lost agreed she also was thinking about doing open shelves but then she was wondering if they were trendy or if they were gonna stand Bless the you. test of time Bless Bless you. You. i'm allergic to boston <laughs> <laughs> oh no no <laughs> Okay, it's the ragweed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I brought it with me That's right. from a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So I, the um, yeah, the open shelves. I like open shelves because they're just super functional. Mm-hmm. So if you want that set of plates now, you're just kind of grabbing it, bringing it down. There isn't the opening the doors and the searching. Um, some people worry that if they have open shelves, the things that are out on the shelves would collect dust. And I think it depends, again, on the size of your kitchen and how much mm-hmm. stuff you have on the shelves. You know, if it's something you're using every day, like your plates and your mugs and your glasses, that stuff's getting washed frequently anyway. So I yeah. don't really feel like that's a yeah. concern. Some people don't like looking at all that right. stuff. So tidy. that's why they yeah. put it behind, you could put it behind glass doors if you still wanted to have a little openness, but not completely opaque, you know, behind solid doors. Right. But again, that same thing with her previous question, I wouldn't worry about like what's trendy or not. What works for you? Um, are you kind of neat? Because I think the open shelves do lend themselves very well to styling. So if you kind of enjoy have making, spending a little time on what that looks like, you're going to be happier with an open shelf than if you're someone who really doesn't like to use your energy that way and you don't want to see that you put the wrong things together. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Or if you everything might, is mismatched. Yeah. And you stick it up there. And the, you've got the, McDonald's The small cups. plates underneath That's the big plate. And like for me, that would be like, ah. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. If you just need to be comfortable Plus, with open it. shelves yeah. have been around for hundreds of years. Yes. Like, they're not it's going not, anywhere. Yes. It's, it's a... Also, it's, it's just more affordable. Yeah. You know, a lot of the houses in here, frankly, have open shelves. Generally, if you have a small house, your budget's a little smaller. Yeah. And so there's a huge use of open shelves because, it's you know, cabinetry is a very high-end expense. But it will be, when you are saying before, something you have to be an editor. Yes. You know, you can't just yeah. take all of your... Pyrex and mixing cups. And yeah, your sippy yes, cups. Like, with, yeah. like, well, we have like one section that's all open, and I just put like anything that's white. That's pretty. I put on my open shelves. Mm-hmm. Anything that's not white or like a colored colander or something like that, I just put it in a closed shelf. So I feel like sometimes people overthink it and feel like, oh, I have to style it. I don't really but that's feel good. like you've I come style up, you've it. Come I up with a of, system. I, yeah, I came up with a rule. Yep. And I know like all of my everyday stuff is white or glass and it just lives on the open shelf. And it's just so easy. Like, I don't know. I guess I've never really worried about the dust factor because we're going through everything right. yeah, using every day. All the time. Right. I sure. mean, nothing has time to get dusty. Yeah. So it's, and there are a couple things on like our top shelf that I maybe don't like a cake plate or something I just sort of like rinse it real quick and wipe it off and it's not like it doesn't need to be scrubbed you know what I mean it's just like kind of right make cakes more often Caroline (laughs) that's that's the lesson that's what we're here not enough cake making (laughs) oh and then our third one sounds like she's gonna have to send us some images yes yes it sounds like there's more to more to come for sure you know, she wants to send us measurements for placing. She needs a rug, lighting, and chair. She's out of town, so she can't include her measurements right Yes. Now. So, <laughs> shoved right back in. Cindy, do you follow up with us? Uh, do you want me to do Amy's? Do I, yeah, do Amy's. Okay. Amy asks, I love ideas for decorating a basement so that it's kid-friendly, stylish, and doesn't look too dark like some basements. <sighs> well, basements. basements are a problem. Amy. I mean... Obviously, a lot of basements have areaway windows. If you have them, that's huge. Get a little daylight. Mm-hmm. Um, don't paint over them. Yeah. People paint over basement yeah, windows. Yeah, don't do that. Why? Do people do yeah. that. They're dumb. I don't know. I don't know why they're doing that. Yeah, you want, obviously, any kind of light you can get. Yeah. Sometimes maybe you can bring light from the floor above. It depends, you know, how you're getting down yeah. to your basement. Yeah. Is there kind of an opportunity to have something open mm-hmm. so you're not so much in a cave? I frankly not a basement fan, and and when I do projects, I really just put utilities typically yeah. in the basement. Um, I know it's bonus space that people like to take advantage of, but it needs to be handled really carefully to yeah. deal with potential moisture issues. Mm. I mean, as you know, basements are rife with a lot of potential yeah. issues. If you have a dry basement, yay! Golden, yeah, jealous. <laughs> I just jealous. Think she just wants to have a place for her kids to play. Of lighting. Like the yep. you need important. table lamps and floor lamps and good overhead up. and like yeah, but lots don't go of just stuff. overhead fluorescent. Yeah, oh, that's going to be awful. Right? Yeah, right. Will, it's going to you're just going to feel like, feel like a basement. doctor's office or something. <laughs> so get like a console or sconces. Sconces would be good because there's no um, way for them to like tip them over. You know what I mean? Oh, like kids if your that kids are playing. Are playing good, so good then call. you can like not worry about whether they're going to knock over the lamp. You can flip one switch and all your pretty lighting comes on. So there's also mm-hmm. some materials you can put on the floor that are um, made out of like recycled rubber products. 
which mm-hmm. are soft and then mm-hmm. aren't going to, I mean, I'm bringing up all the yucky stuff, but <laughs> people can get like bold, you know, when they're carpeting, if they yeah. put it in the basement. Mm-hmm. So these products don't grow things in them because they're made the of. What about ceramic tile that looks like wood too? Oh yeah. That's, that's awesome. Now I that's a that higher style. end, you know, yeah. investment. Even Natalie Nassar, um, who was our guest a couple weeks ago, she did a wood tile on the floor and it looked great. I think she did sort of like a gray washed wood. And it looks really fantastic. Yeah, it looks spectacular. And she also had lots of lighting. Like, she had overheads, she had lamps, she had lots of different options. So that uh-huh. once you get down there, you could create an ambiance. For Sorry. kids, I think you often also, though, do want carpeting just for softness. Yeah. So you, in that case, if yeah. you went with the tile floor, you could have, like, the area rugs. Rug yeah, yeah. You know, because they make those nice... Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys seen the wood floor in the store over there? We'll have to put a picture. Go, go to yeah. the center of the store. It looks like wood, but it is cement, and it um, or is it, it tile? Is, it is. It's tile. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it looks like parquet. Ah. It's over in the center. It's really it's good like, looking. It's beautiful. Awesome. So we'll take a picture and put it on the on the yeah, on the show notes. notes. The show notes. Mm-hmm. Should definitely do some like an indoor outdoor rug too, because yeah. that's a polypropylene, so it's plastic. That yeah. has a you know. And there are some really soft ones now. It's, um, I mean, it's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, like you can't believe that it's not cotton. It's ex- or, right. Yeah. It's extruded and that's help with any like material yes. plastic that they literally starts as beads and then it melts and then they literally weave it. Um, I've really seen cool. it happen. I have seen <laughs> it happen. Yes, we Don't were at talk the f- about where it is. It's a secret. We were at that location together, and it was <laughs> secret, amazing. undisclosed location. It, it was pretty. It was really watch cool to watch. Anyway, but it's and they're soft underfoot. Yeah, it still has Kid yeah. friendly, toddler friendly. Mm-hmm. Our it would be good rug. In particular, um, that's a different construction, but yes. but yeah, S A Y L O R Sailor Rug, and it is so soft, it's awesome. Now, Anyways. what's it made out of? It's also made it's out of like an a indoor outdoor, oh, okay. but it just yeah. it's super plush, yeah, and like feels really yeah. comfortable. I'm sure it's around here somewhere. So, Danielle has she's asked. Hi, I have a teeny decorating question for my teeny dining room in my teeny apartment. I think the wall behind my table should have a big focal point, and I'm trying to figure out how to make something work with the random chair rail on the wall. I actually hate this chair rail, but (laughs) I'm in a rental, and I can't take it down. I was thinking of maybe doing a foam wallpaper on the top. What do you guys think? I attached some pictures. Okay, I have thoughts on this, so I'm just going to jump in. Since this is a rental, I don't think that you should put up wallpaper. I think you should pick, like, a really big piece of art because then you can take it with you. Because Oh, as far as the investment? Yeah. Like, we have some really big um, sort of, like, gallery-wrapped canvases that can – you can create that focal point, but it can go with you to your next place. That's a good idea. You know she what I mean? Because wallpaper, if you can't – like, why, why put the money into a rental spot that's not your own anyway? So um, – Anyways, we have some really fun, like, abstract pieces, and I would say do, like, whatever two-thirds the width of this space is, mm-hmm. like, do something around that, like, something or really big. Try or bigger. Yeah. Well, you could up. even do the classic mirror solution. Yes. Yeah, a big you know. mirror would be yeah. pretty yeah. helpful. Again, something you space. take with you. Well, she kept saying the word teeny, so part of me thinks she could even do some of those, like, Castelli shelves that we have that where she could yeah. put, like, we were just answering. Maybe she put some of her pretty pottery on there because it is something that people come in and see. And then you could hang another shelf and put art on that. Yeah, that's And maybe you stack frames. And then you've only committed to some shelves and you can put all, you can display more of your items in yeah, your teeny Yeah, that's a good home. idea. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, I think folks. that's it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming by. We loved having you. 
Great. Thanks for having me. I also brought one copy of the book for you guys. Yes. I will autograph it before I exit. Yes. So we were thinking that we would give away the book in our store. Any Boston local, Boston local who comes by the store first and asks for it can get their free copy. So what do they say? Just I come ask. Just come ask, ask for it by name. Yeah. The new small house. Ask the, um, the ladies in the store about the new small house, and um, you can get your signed copy. Awesome. Whoever, whoever makes it here first wins. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for welcoming us to your new city. Oh, our yes. I'm, new I'm, yeah. Welcome to the Boston area. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's fun to have a new cool. location. Wicked cool. <laughs> wicked yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to use the word wicked as much Boston. as The weather has been so nice. I mean, yeah. it's 60 degrees and sunny yeah. in February. Yeah. Just wait a couple days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're it gone changes. Tomorrow. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, but thanks for coming. All right. So, yeah. where can people get your book, Katie? Um, it may be in your local independent bookstore. You can certainly inquire. It's on Amazon and at Powell's. It's kind of most places online where you can buy books. Mm-hmm. Also, the Taunton um, publisher sells it through Taunton.com. So if, if you're interested, I'm sure you can find it. The New we Small will, House. Yes, it's called The New Small House. We'll put a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming. Great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. All right, guys, that's our episode. Awesome. Um, If you would like to subscribe to the podcast, we would love that. You can do that in iTunes, or we would love for you to send us your questions. We really like answering them and getting them into our inbox. So you can email them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net, and we'll answer them on our next episode. Of course, we would love for you to leave us a review. We love reading them. It's awesome, and we like your feedback. Mm -hmm. Um... Only if it's good. Wicked good. <laughs> Wicked good feedback. Wicked good. <laughs> Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.